I'll be back. I'm gonna make him an offer again. Cannonball! I'm Batman. What? Oh my god, they killed Kenny! The force is with you. I am the danger. Please stand clear of the doors. Oh, why do you Avengers! Assemble. What's up, everybody? This is Pop Culture with the Captain. I'm your host, Captain Carlos Montalvo. Just want to say a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all my listeners. Today's episode, I will be discussing the release of Wonder Woman 1984, the anticipated sequel to the incredible 2017 movie. Not only that, I will also discuss the HBO Max controversy in which Warner Brothers have decided to release all of their 2021 movies in both theaters and HBO Max, which caused a stir in the movie industry, especially to with directors such as Christopher Nolan and Dennis Villeneuve. Now, let's get to it. Before I get into Wonder Woman 1984, I will first discuss about the HBO Max controversy. The whole HBO Max controversy started after the announcement of Wonder Woman being released in both theaters and in HBO Max. After that announcement, on December 3rd, Warner Brothers have decided that in 2021, all of their upcoming movies will be released in both HBO Max and in theaters wherever theaters are open. This list of movies include the anticipated sequel to The Matrix, The King Kong vs. Godzilla, The Soprano spin-off movie, and one of my most anticipated movies for next year, Dune. After the announcement, there has received a lot of backlash, especially with filmmakers such as Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve, who are always passionate about the film world, especially when their films are presented in movie theaters. Christopher Nolan, being a major advocate for the preservation of movie theaters, has been trying to convince Congress to save the movie theaters from bankruptcy, so that way by 2021 and of ongoing years, movie theaters are open for people to come over and watch these movies. On that side, there's the other side, which is the business aspect made by Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers decided to make this decision in order to make a profit out of it, knowing that ever since the opening of movie theaters, movie theaters has been unable to recoup much of the movies in regards to their box office result. Most notable example is Christopher Nolan's movie Tenant, in which it only manages to reach the budget but can make a profit out of their marketing and other aspects in order to make a profit in that movie. Because of the overall result of Tenant, this is the reason why Warner Brothers has decided to make this decision for 2021. Now that you know the whole controversy, many people say that, especially if those who are HBO Max subscribers, they are pleased because not only that, that they are those movies will be released on HBO Max, but they are pleased because they can watch these movies at home and, on, and not in movie theaters during this pandemic, as most people are afraid to be in public areas, especially in an enclosed environment such as a movie theater. But in my experience, after watching a couple of movies in movie theaters, I say that movie theaters are doing the best that they can and they have done a great job in dividing the people in attending where they're being seated and enforcing it with um, standard procedures such as temperature checks making sure that the mask must be present and worn at all times the movie theaters are trying their best but the fact of the matter that this pandemic has affected a lot of people there are many 
out there that aren't still unwilling to go to watch a movie at the movie theaters. And because of that, that's why most people who are more comfortable at home during this pandemic are pleased that they can watch all of these movies in their home. Now, there's two sides of this situation. There's the artistic side in which you have these filmmakers who are very passionate about making films, creating stories in order to present them in the biggest screen possible as a means for their audience to watch these movies as a way to escape from reality and and focus and being passionate and not only that but being involved as a as your own personal escapism. And then there's the other side in which there's the business side. The business side in terms of how the movie industry not only is the artistic style, but there's also the business style. The business style meaning that it's basically an investment as a way to make a lot of money. And the reason that they made the decision is to make a safe choice into the matter in which not only will they make money for movie theaters, but they will also make a profit. Even though it's not gonna be that major profit that they always expect expected to be, but a safe type of profit that they can be more comfortable with the decision. As someone that has been an admirer of films, I must say that this decision, I am very displeased by it. The COVID-19 pandemic is still going and you must to consider the fact that most people, including myself, are very cautious with where we're going and how the situation will be unfolding. But this decision could also mean the death of the movie theater experience. The movie theater's experience for me has been something, a personal escape where I can let go of all of my anxieties for just two hours, maybe an hour and a half, and just get into a world where there's a story between possibly a hero or a villain, um, between an action and a romance, a comedy or drama, an historical epic or an autobiography or a superhero movie. The movie theater experience for me is a magical place since I was a kid and the first movie that I remember watching in the movie theaters was Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2 has been one of the very pivotal movies that inspired me to follow the movie industry before this pandemic i always end up going to the movies because i always want to get invested into these movies and how you get invested into the characters and the story and the dialogue and the whole visual effects and the chemistry between the performances and the directing and the cinematography these types of storytelling storytellings are perfect to watch at movie theaters because they are basically designed for us to have that two-hour dedication to be invested into the whole experience into the movies and because of this pandemic has caused the movie theaters to be closed and because of that the movie there's been push delays on movies and stuff like that and throughout each month there's always been an announcement of like this movie has been pushed back to 2022 or 2023 or this show has been canceled because production hasn't been able to be made during this pandemic and it's a hassle because the movie theater experience when they when they came back during the summer in some theaters they were only releasing classic movies and movies from a couple of years ago before some movies from this year have decided to release it and this basically kind of 
boost, boosted them up for more people to go to the movie theaters, but it's not enough. And it's heartbreaking for me because the movie theaters has been my home and my safe haven. It's my realize it's where I am relaxed. It is where I can escape from reality and get and get into the story. And the movie theater, when you sit down and the lights close down and you have this giant white screen being presented with incredible imagery, that's like the best feeling that I could possibly imagine. This decision is like a domino effect in which the first dice out of the entire, say, domino puzzle in which, you know, you place all these dominoes and once you click it, the dominoes fall apart and it creates some kind of incredible imagery or stuff like that. This for me is the first step for the first domino to be clicked into the very death of the movie theater experience. And because of that, this decision will not help in any way for movie theaters to come back from this pandemic. This will inspire other movie theater, movie studios such as Universal, Paramount, and even I will say Disney, but Disney made a very good choice in which they did the premiere access. I know it's a controversy, it's controversial because not only are you a paid subscriber on Disney Plus but you have to pay $27 extra to watch the movie on a subscription platform that you already paid for but the reason that they did this premiere access is because they need to recoup a lot of the money that they wasted in the budget on the movie and even though Mulan was not the kind of first that should have introduced this concept but it's kind of makes sense into the ongoing decisions that the movie studios are trying to do especially in the part on Disney and obviously most people don't don't like the idea of paying an additional 30 bucks for a movie but I felt that it should that it should be necessary especially during these times and how these studios must be recouped the only difference between that decision from Disney and for Warner Brothers is that Disney only announced for only two movies to have their premiere access not only are those are the only two movies but Warner Brothers recklessly announced for all of their movies and I'm talking about the most anticipated movies from next year which include Dune, Matrix 4, Mortal Kombat, Kong versus Godzilla. Like those are movies that are basically designed to be presented in movie theaters. And these movies could basically help movie theaters bounce back. But if those movies will be released on both formats in theaters and on HBO Max, this will literally kill the movie industry. Not, not the movie industry, my apologies. I meant the movie theater experience. Because of this decision, this is the reason why movie theaters such as Regal and AMC are in the brink of bankruptcy and you have filmmakers who are trying to convince governments to protect the movie theaters from the verge of bankruptcy and being closed forever because they like myself love the movie theater experience and those and that experience is what made them get into the film industry as a whole and this is something that we as a, those who are film enthusiasts must be very cautious not only only admiring the tenacity of the filmmakers but this decision of HBO Max will definitely pull the cord into the movie theater world now there are people out there I'm not gonna say specific people that they only say that their filmmakers they, they shouldn't get involved in them because they get paid they already paid their money from their work in the film and they don't have to worry about anything else and I will say that that is complete 
and utter bullshit because there are filmmakers, directors, not only from past, present, and the potential future who work their ass off to present these movies in the best way possible and to say that these filmmakers shouldn't be worried about this decision as they get paid, they already got paid and they're making, they make their millions and they can enjoy their vacations and they can spend their money in like in hotels and stuff like that. That is utter and complete ignorance into the fact that these filmmakers are the reason that they made these movies is because like myself they had that one movie in their life where they watched it in theaters and it changed their life forever i myself got changed with movies such as toy story 2 net and all of these filmmakers are getting inspired into becoming filmmakers by watching these movie theaters not at home but in movie theaters by the same guys from directors that they poured into creating some of the most memorable and iconic stories in film industry to present it to a wider audience in movie theaters as the best possible means to be shared in storytelling. And the fact that there are people out there that they say that they, they already made their money so why they should get involved with it, they don't have the right to say it. Because they only see those things in the business perspective, but they don't see it in the personal tenacity, the personal like vindication of a filmmaker as an artist and a store master storyteller and those people that say those things to those those guys who work day in day out and i'm not talking about sitting at home and watching on a monitor no there are filmmakers out there who go on the sets they make sure that everything is on point such as the first ad's we're talking about the camera guys the crew members the lighting the cinematography the director the producers the executive producers those are the guys to make sure to bring out the best quality storytelling possible and to be presented in movie theaters because they only want to have these movies in the same way that they always grew up with and those people that say those should have no business whatsoever in saying that as they are only seeing this as i said previously as business rather than art and art is something to preserve but this is life you can appreciate art but there's always the aspect of business and business they don't see that and these filmmakers they don't care about if they are paid millions of dollars on a movie that they made for the next year or in the summer blockbusters or possibly december these filmmakers are very passionate and these filmmakers are doing everything that they can and that is the reason why i don't think that hbo max should not have all their movies being released in both platforms but me as someone that is very passionate about films i value more art rather than business so there i will conclude by saying movies is both art and business how will you see it especially for those who are trying to become filmmakers in the future but i'll leave it to you to decide now that we talked about the hbo max controversy i'm gonna shift towards wonder woman 1984 I'm just gonna give a quick plot because I don't want to give out the entire summary of the movie as I, as someone that wants people to watch the movies and see the overall story, I'm just gonna give a quick synopsis. The movie takes place decades after the first movie in which Gal Gadot returns as Wonder Woman and Patty Jackins returns as director from the first movie and as I said it takes place decades after the first movie in the 80s and Wonder Woman must stop this oil tycoon magnet Maxwell Lord and his 
his accomplice, Cheetah from creating chaos and destruction while at the same time reuniting with the love of her life, Steve. Now, I'm gonna get into the reviewing of this movie. I will sum up this movie in one word. Downgrade because you had this first entry in Wonder Woman in which itself has been empowering and memorable in terms of storytelling and at the same time female representation in the superhero comic book world in the movie and then you have this this follow-up into that and it just fell flat into the surface as it was boring it was clunky it was messy it was long and this is incredible for me to say this because as it is a superhero movie it's really boring and there are very and there are many aspects that i will talk about the old, why I believe this movie is a complete mess and a huge letdown in terms of the overall progression of Wonder Woman and the DCEU. The first thing I will discuss about this movie is the overall length of the movie. It's one thing for a movie to be 2 hours and 30 minutes long, but it's another thing to be that long and be boring. And this is something that could have been better with the pacing and the overall type of storytelling. There are moments in the movie where if you take off those scenes, they wouldn't make a difference whatsoever towards the overall progress of the story. One example is the plot where they go towards the Middle East to stop Maxwell but then again Maxwell escapes and they go back to the DC and, and stop Maxwell again. That scene overall could have been ignored completely. And another scene I could talk about, there are so many scenes in that movie that I can literally point in regards to Barbara's progression towards becoming Cheetah. And not only those scenes in general, they are way overextended towards the overall plot, but there are also filler characters. And the major example of a filler character is Chris Pine's Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor has been an instrumental character for Wonder Woman in the first movie. And in this movie, he comes back inside of another man's body and he was completely useless in the movie. He contributed nothing towards the progression of Wonder Woman. He did not contribute towards the climax of the movie and he was nothing more but there. They just brought him back because they love the chemistry between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot and they bring that chemistry back for the sequel and they basically wasted on the character and the whole overall I felt that his character wouldn't make a difference if he was if he didn't appear. He just he was just there just to bring back Chris Pine and I felt bad because you had this character that has been great in the first movie and in this movie he's been completely wasted and useless and this overall length and i say the overall length as being this type of form is because you have these movies that are three hours or two hour 40 minutes long such as um the last avengers movie the dark knight rises interstellar tenant and of course django and chain and those movies there are at least two hours 30 minutes or two hours and 40 minutes but those movies can literally keep you engaged towards the overall story in this case, when I was watching it in theaters, I'm like, just finish it already because I can't stand this movie anymore. Because it's really not that, it's not well done and the pacing sucked. If I could compare the pacing with another recent movie, it would be It Chapter 2. Another displeasure that I felt about this movie is the overall portrayal of the antagonist. Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig did great job in their performances as Cheetah and Maxwell Lord respectfully, but they basically mishandled their characters in a way that they are that they should have done better, especially with Cheetah. And I will be the first to admit that the decision of having Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, I was not very pleased with it, but she surprised me. She managed to be a really great Cheetah, and I felt that that she should have been the main villain 
or they built her up towards her character arc for future installments rather than being the sidekick to a villain who is the most forgettable villain since Steppenwolf. And this is sad because I am a huge fan of Pedro Pascal. He is a great actor and not just saying that in The Mandalorian because this goes way back from, from Game of Thrones, from Narcos, and even from Kingsman in which he did a great job. And the character of Maxwell Lord felt more like a villain that is just there to not being the central focus of the movie and just having focusing more on Wonder Woman. And it's a shame because if you have a guy such as Pedro Pascal, he could become a major integral villain for future DC films to come. And to have a character like Cheetah in which one of Wonder Woman's major nemesis to be wasted for this movie, I felt they, they could have done more with Cheetah. I felt that what they could have done was that they wouldn't introduce the concept of Cheetah in this movie. Just have her slowly built into becoming Cheetah. So that way, she doesn't fully become Cheetah herself and when she has the fur and the tail and all that stuff. And rather than having that, just anticipate her for the next sequel and have her as the main villain for Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman 3. But because of that, they didn't do, they didn't do that because in the at the end of the film, Barbara no longer is Cheetah as her wish has been resigned and she's back as being a regular human. And it's a shame because you could have done so much better with that villain. As I said, it, she is one of Wonder Woman's major villains. And to have um, Maxwell Lord as the main villain, I felt that Patty Jenkins and DC uh, her, as a group should reflect on trying to bring another villain in the Wonder Woman world in which the villain can become more focused and central towards Wonder Woman's journey towards the third movie. Possibly, I hope that Kristen Wiig comes back as Cheetah because her character and can bring more towards Wonder Woman's journey. And I just wish that they bring her more as the main villain and no longer being as the secondary villain because they promoted the crap as her being the main, 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 main villain. But once you watch the movie, she was more at the second villain compared to Pedro Pascal's character. Besides the decision on who is the main villain and who is the secondary villain, I'm gonna point out the main focus and slash goal of the main villain in which he decides to become the stone of wishing himself by wishing to become the stone and being a wish maker and granting wishes like he's freaking open with free when he when she gives out cards from everyone in the audience and i say that because he goes throughout the whole movie by doing or saying like this you get a wish you get a wish you get a wish you want to be a cheetah you get that wish everybody here gets a wish yay and while that's happening he basically causes chaos around the world and the concept itself is it's very interesting but the execution of that concept is what killed it because the character itself is incredibly forgettable and it's like those classic 1980s goofy um sci-fi b-movie villains and to be honest this villain from the middle beginning and the end felt more like one of those um disney villains you know those types of, and i'm not saying like one of those disney villains where they had a situation and they don't learn from their mistakes 
I'm talking about the villains where they did a mis they did something, they become villains, and they regret it later on in the movie. And those, for example, of this is um huh. If I could give out a pinpoint an exact moment where I can oh I could pinpoint out for example the f the food critic from Ratatouille for example and the critic himself basically already said that he's gonna destroy the restaurant but then there was a moment where he basically changed his whole life and because of that moment he decides to let go of, of all of that tension and thus accepting what is presenting with him and that's basically and becomes more good and no longer appreciates the darker side of that thing and in this example this is what happened with the movie and this is coming from a superhero movie and do you have villains where do you, they, they can have their arc where they slowly try to do good and I'm meaning characters such as Darth Vader or Severus Snape in which they have their arcs basically being as these villains but overall they have the overturn it and becoming good guys this uh, the execution of that in this movie for example with Maxwell Lord was incredibly corny it felt like a like one of those kids movie villains from like I mentioned in Rata like the villain from Ratatouille and it is something that I didn't expect especially from the superhero movie because once you have a villain in a superhero movie they stick with being a villain very few villains that I could think of where they try to um, overcome the darkness or the overall goal and try to do good this didn't happen this basically happened in terms of like this it actually happened where the villain overturns his his goals and desire in order to be good once again and for me the overall progression and decision of overturning of him not being powerful enough the execution itself felt completely fat and emotive itself is a it, it was such a disappointment especially with a concept as cool as being a wish maker and gaining powers I'm just gonna conclude it, but that that part of the review by that. The positive things that I can say about this movie is I would say that I like the first 13 minutes of the movie in which we have young Diana participating in some sort of Olympic uh, Themyscira on the games and she was she's 10 years old competing against all these older warrior women and being a uh, complete and almost winning as it helped build characters into understanding the overall um, concept of being Wonder Woman especially in the, for Diana as she learns important lessons and I felt that that scene it's was pretty good itself another thing that I like about the movie is of course Gal Gadot Gal Gadot has done an incredible job as Wonder Woman and ever since she debuted in Batman v Superman and she was a huge highlight in this movie and she is destined to be Wonder Woman for years to come especially after the announcement of the third movie and that's fine with me because she actually deserves to be Wonder Woman she understands the importance of being that kind of empowering role model Model where girls and women can look up to and see this this powerful being this Amazonian badass um, being the one where she's kicking ass taking names giving and just trying to save the day and Gal Gadot basically understood that role the embodiment of being Wonder Woman and for me it's the best highlight of the movie and not only that the performances of Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal even though their roles as are as I mentioned were not handled well they did the best that they could especially with Kristen Wiig and this is how I felt about Wonder Woman as a whole. And for me, I'm going to compare it to this. The first Wonder Woman movie is like the original 1978 Richard Donner Superman movie. As it is magical, it is iconic, and it is something that you never
never thought you'll see happening in the movie theaters and it just happened and it was pure magic in terms of not only in the superhero genre but in movies as a whole and then it comes with the sequel but rather for wonder woman 1984 being the sequel to that superman which is superman 2 wonder woman 1984 felt more like superman 3 in which both were incredibly disappointing and the plot overall was a complete mess so there you have it guys this is my review of wonder woman 1984 before i conclude today's episode this episode i would like to dedicate it towards the loss of Brody lee slash luke harper who recently died he was 41 years old and he was in an incredible talent in the wrestling world so this is captain carlos montalvo signing off <laughs>